0: All right, if you guys want to go ahead and find some sort of seed or something, <laughs> pretty full house tonight. <laughs> it's good to see you guys. Man, it's fun to be together. I don't know if I've ever seen it this packed in here. This is amazing. God is good. Well, welcome to the last Chi Alpha of the semester. <laughs> I guess that's exciting. Yeah, we're at the end of the semester. It's crazy. It's been a been a pretty wild semester. It still feels like it's gone pretty quick. But if you're gonna be here this summer, don't worry. We'll be back together on June first. Right here. It's gonna be a lot of fun. But tonight we're here to celebrate because God has done things in our midst. And some of our friends, our brothers and sisters, are going to be baptized tonight. <laughs> and that's why we're here. We're excited to celebrate. We want to welcome our visitors. We've got some friends from Lamar in the house tonight. Yeah, thanks for joining us. We've got some family here. Thank you for stopping in. We're grateful that you're with us. Like I said, in a minute, we're going to do some baptisms. It's going to be a lot of fun. But before we actually do those baptisms, I think it would be nice if we talked a little bit about what baptism actually is. Why are we doing this tonight? What is the point? What is the purpose? And in order to understand baptism better, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to take a look at where baptism started, how it began. You see, today we're here in America in 2023, and I think everyone in the room is probably familiar with the, the concept of baptism. You've heard the word before, you're familiar with it, it's a religious sacrament, but back when it originated, it did not originate in this context, and it didn't originate with thousands of years of church history behind it, and it actually sprung up over 2,000 years ago, right around there, in Jerusalem, in the Jewish context, and for them it was an entirely new thing, and so we're going to look at what that means. And how that emerged. And so we first see baptism show up in the Bible with this one man named John. John the Baptist, as he's commonly called. Why is he called the Baptist? Because he baptized people. It's not a denominational thing. It's what he did. And so he was taking people and baptizing them in the River Jordan. And this is the first time we actually see baptism show up in the Bible. And we're going to see this in John chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 19. Read down to verse 28. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn there with me. Otherwise, I believe it will be up on the screen. We're going to start in John 1, 19. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ." If you are neither the Christ nor Elijah nor the prophet, John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Let's pray real quick. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you, Father, for your word. We thank you that you've spoken to us through it. God, we pray that you would reveal your heart to us tonight through your scripture. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? And God, would you help us to know you better tonight? In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. All right, so this is where we see baptism begin. John starts baptizing people, and the the Pharisees send people out because they're like, who is this guy, and what is he doing? What is this about? It's a new thing for them. However, it's also familiar Because in their context, when they see John taking people and dipping them in the water, it immediately calls to mind some things from the law of Moses that they've lived with their whole lives. You see, there's this thing in the law of Moses called being ceremonially clean or unclean. And when people became ceremonially unclean, it was a really big deal. Because if you were unclean, you were cut off from your society. You couldn't take part in anything. You couldn't be a part of business. You couldn't be a part of... Uh, go to the temple, you couldn't do anything. People wouldn't want to be near you because if they touched you, they'd become unclean. And that's a big deal to them. And so if you became unclean, and there's lots of ways that could happen. You could eat an animal you're not supposed to eat, accidentally touch a carcass of an animal. It could happen from sin, all sorts of things. But if you became unclean, you needed to become clean again. And there were rituals set up in the law for how to do this, depending on what made someone unclean. And they usually involved a few things. And the first of those things is a ritual of cleansing with water. And this is exactly what baptism would have brought to mind to anybody who saw it. When they see John taking people and dipping them in the water, they would immediately think of, this is like a cleansing ritual. The the next thing that they would usually need to do is a sacrifice. And then finally, a lot of times there would be a waiting period. Oftentimes to ensure health or that whatever the thing was that had made them unclean was really over and gone. Now, For some offenses, for some minor things, it looked like just a small sacrifice, like maybe a bird, and then you'd have to go wash your hands or maybe wash your feet and then maybe wait till evening and then you were clean again. But for bigger things, it would be a big sacrifice, like an ox or a bull. And they'd have to wait maybe seven days and they'd have to go and totally submerge themselves in the water. And come out. And this would usually happen at the sea or a river. And so when people see John baptizing people in the river, this is immediately what they think of. Are these people unclean? Why is he doing this? And it seems to imply in that context that the people who are going and being baptized are identifying themselves as unclean. Which is a really big deal in their society, like we said. And for John to come out preaching and saying, you need to be baptized, would be highly offensive to a Jewish person. Because he's basically telling them, you are unclean in the eyes of God. That's a pretty serious thing to say to a Jewish person. And even more amazing than this is that many of them are responding and saying, you're right. I am unclean. Please baptize me. And see, this fits John's baptism because Paul calls his baptism a baptism of repentance in Acts 19. And repentance is another one of those words we hear in church a lot. But in the New Testament, it's the Greek word metanoia, and this means literally to either turn around and change the direction you're going, or to change your mind or reverse a decision you've made. And this can't really happen unless a person first decides they've been wrong. You don't turn around and start going the other way unless you realize, oh, I'm going the wrong way. You don't change your mind unless you realize I've been thinking wrongly. And you don't reverse a decision unless you realize that decision was the wrong decision. It starts with realizing wrongness, with realizing that I'm in the wrong, so I need to change. And in order to repent, a person must see themselves as wrong, as a sinner as wicked, as unclean. And then they can repent, turning around, turning away from that wrongness, from that sin, from that uncleanness. And this is what his baptism was about. It was about these people, these Israelites, turning away from their sin and repenting. These people were recognizing they were sinners, and in the eyes of God, maybe they hadn't actually violated the law in such a way that they were technically ceremonially unclean. But in the eyes of God, they were unclean, and so they renounced their sin and were baptized by John in the river. And the reason he was doing this was to prepare the people for Jesus, because when they came and they identified themselves as, "You're, you're right, I am unclean. I am a sinner." I need to turn around, that opened the door for Jesus to walk in. Now, as I said, this baptism, it's a new thing at this point. And so maybe we'll read this passage in the Bible, and you might wonder, how did those messengers from the Pharisees, how do they know to call it baptizing? Right? Like, like, why are you baptizing people? It's like, baptism is a new thing. How do you even know that? (laughs) Well, the Greek word here that we translate as baptism is actually the Greek word baptizo. And in Greek, it just literally means to submerge in water. They would use this ship, uh, this uh, word when they were talking about a ship that sank at sea. It was baptizo. It, it was submerged completely in the water. And that's where baptism, the, the word, comes from. It just literally means to submerge in water. And so basically, when we're reading this, you could think of these messengers as literally saying, why are you putting people in the water? <laughs> why, are the, why are you putting people in the river? And obviously from that, we've gotten the now religious word, baptize. And so this is what's happening. John is baptizing people in this baptism of repentance. So is this all that baptism is? Just getting submerged in the water? Saying, I recognize I'm spiritually unclean. I'm a sinner. I repent. Well, this would be all that it was if the only baptism we had was John's baptism. Yeah. But John was not the only baptizer. Yeah. I don't want to say baptist because, you know, there's I mean, a whole denominational thing now, but... And Jesus said this when he was about to ascend into heaven after his resurrection in Matthew twenty-eight, eighteen through 20. And Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, this is commonly called the Great Commission. You maybe have heard this passage before. It's a command Jesus gave his disciples right before he ascended. And in it, he commands his followers to go make disciples. And not just to make disciples, but to baptize those disciples. And by extension, the command is that anyone who would be my disciple must be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, the Trinity. And this is the baptism we're engaging in today. It's not just a baptism of repentance. It is that. That's a part of what it is. But it is also a baptism into the name of Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. It is repentance. It is admitting I am unclean and I turn from sin. And this isn't just the general like, yes, I'm a sinner, sorry. But Repentance means specific sins. It means not just saying, "Uh, yes, I'm a sinner, I've made mistakes. It means saying, I'm a liar, and I've lied, and I'm sorry that I've lied, and I won't lie anymore. I've been a thief, and I've stolen, and I'm sorry, and I won't steal anymore. This is why you see tax collectors saying, I will repay back three times what I've stolen, because a repentant heart does what it can to make things right. It's also a baptism of faith in Jesus the one who can actually save us from our sin. And this is important, because remember when we talk about baptism in the eyes of a Jew, it brought to mind this idea of ritual cleansing, of being ceremonially unclean. But if you were ceremonially unclean, what did you need to do to be made clean? It wasn't just dip in the river. Usually it involved other things too one of which was a sacrifice there needed to be a sacrifice to pay for sin and hebrews 9:22 says without the shedding of blood there is no forgiveness of sin and so we have all these people these israel israelite people getting john's baptism and they know i'm unclean and i want to be cleansed but they had to have also known that they need more than just this because it's not enough to just dip in the river you need a sacrifice and so they're not yet cleansed from their sin. They've said, I'm sorry, and they're turning away from it, but they're still under it. The wrath of God is still on them, and they know this, and they must be looking around like, where is the sacrifice that can atone for my sin? And then Jesus enters the scene. And what joy they must have had when John saw Jesus and said this in the next verse, John one twenty nine. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. Who takes away the sin of the world, the sacrifice of God? Imagine being one of John's followers, being in that position. You've heard him preach and you've seen the uncleanness in your own heart and you've known that God's wrath was on you and you've known it and you've repented and you've gotten baptized and you're still in your sin. And wondering where is the sacrifice that could take this away? And then here comes the Lamb of God who can take away our sin. No wonder some of these followers of John went to follow Jesus right after this and became some of the first disciples. But being the Lamb of God didn't just mean something for those followers of John, it also meant something for Jesus. He would have to be sacrificed. And Jesus willingly went to the cross and shed his blood, the lamb silent before the shears, silently going to torturous death on the cross. for these very followers of John who knew they needed to be cleansed, for the Israelites, for the world, for you and for I. Sinners unclean before God. I mean, we know our sin. <laughs> We know our sin, that one thing that we hope no one ever finds out about. But God sees it, and he knows it. He's fully aware about the darkest things in us that we think no one knows about, that we hope no one sees. He sees, but seeing, he still came, the Lamb of God, to take that sin away and he paid with his blood the atoning sacrifice that's sufficient. Now tonight, our brothers and sisters are getting baptized. Because they recognize this reality. They were spiritually unclean, in sin, dead to God, but they have repented, turning from that sin, turning back to God, and knowing they needed a sacrifice, they have believed on God. Jesus, as Savior and as Lord. And now tonight we can celebrate the washing a baptism into his name. And this is what baptism is. It's a separation from the old life of sin. We go down into the water and are buried with Jesus. And this is the death of the old self, of all of it, our good and our bad. And we come back out, being raised again with Jesus to a new life. Yeah. Baptism is the cutting off of the past, cutting off our sin, cutting off our rebellion, identifying as a Christian, as belonging to Jesus. We've died to all that we've been before, all, all the bad and all the good. And now we live to and for Jesus and only Jesus. And this is baptism, and this is what we're celebrating tonight. It's a wonderful, beautiful thing. You may ask, if baptism is a break from our old life of sin, what happens if I sin after I'm baptized? It's a good question. Well, the Bible teaches clearly that one baptism is sufficient. And we see examples in the epistles and in acts of believers who'd been baptized and then who sinned. And they are not required to be rebaptized, but they are required to repent of that sin and not to continue in it. But one baptism in water is enough. It's a break from our past. And maybe some of us are here tonight and we hear this and we examine our own life, we examine our own hearts, and as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, maybe you're here and you recognize I'm unclean, I'm in sin. And I have those things that I hope no one finds out about. But God does know. And he does see. And the penalty of sin is death. And God's wrath is on it. But the good news of the gospel still stands. Behold the Lamb of God. Who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus has taken the wrath of God on himself. And he has paid for our sin with his blood. And now if you're here tonight and you know you're unclean, you can come and be made clean. And if that's you, repent tonight. Turn from your sin. Don't continue down that road to destruction. And believe in the name of Jesus. The all-sufficient sacrifice, the Savior and his Lord, the only one worth living for. If you're here tonight and you know that's you and you're unclean, but you want to be clean, just raise your hand. These friends of ours are going to be baptized tonight. Before we move on to that and conclude, I think we'd be remiss to not notice something else John says about Jesus. Towards the end of this passage, he says he will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now that's not the same thing as baptizing with water, and there's a lot in scripture, a lot of scripture about this, and I just I don't have time to unpack it all tonight. But there is another baptism. The water, water baptism cuts away our old life, but what about our life going forward? What about the road ahead of us? This is why we need the baptism of the Holy Spirit being drenched, being submerged in the Spirit of God to empower us for our new life going forward. And if you're here tonight and you've been baptized or you're being baptized, I want to urge you to seek the second baptism as well. We don't want to just cut away our past. We want to be prepared for our future. And coming to Christ and repenting of sin and giving Him our lives is not crossing the finish line. It's not, okay, I made it. It's done. You're crossing a starting line and beginning a journey with Jesus towards a destination. And when we look at the Jewish cleansing rites, there's a third piece. There's the washing in water, the sacrifice, and oftentimes there was time. A period of time they had to wait to make sure that whatever the thing was that made them unclean was really out of their lives. Often this was seven days, the Jewish number of completion. And when we come to Jesus, we're justified. We've been made right in God's eyes, but we begin a process of sanctification. And leaving aside the theological terms, when you come to Jesus, your life becomes a process of walking in step with God to be transformed into the image of Jesus, to be made holy. And if we're going to live that out, we need his power. And if we're going to live out the command that he gave that we read earlier in the Great Commission to go and make disciples, that wasn't for pastors. That was for believers. And if we're going to live that out, we need his power. So we must seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you have questions about that, what does that mean, what does that look like, or are unsure of it, I would love to talk with you afterwards or talk to any of our staff members. But it is important. And I urge you, if you're here and you've repented, you've believed in Jesus, and you've been baptized, seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you're not sure about what I'm saying, wrestle with it. Go search the Scriptures. Read Acts, specifically Acts 1, 2, 4, 8, 10, 11, and 19. You can find a nice list of those online if you need. (laughs) And as you read the Scriptures, ask God to reveal His truth to you. And then ask... And go on asking, and he promises to give. We see that in Luke 11. But if you're ready for that, you don't have to wait. And tonight we're going to have a staff team ready to pray with anyone who wants the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if anyone is baptized tonight and wants to pray for the baptism of the Holy Spirit after you're baptized, please come over to the staff team and they will pray with you. Maybe you're here, you're not getting baptized but you know you need the Holy Spirit, come pray with us. We would love to pray with you. Well, let's celebrate some baptisms. (laughs) All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. We thank you for sending Jesus, the Lamb of God, to take away our sin. Father, we separate from our old lives and we live for you, Jesus. And God, I pray, Jesus, that each of these people being baptized tonight, would you bless them. God, would you touch them. And would you guide them into every purpose you have for them, Jesus. Let them walk with you forever. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you and we praise you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.
1: so those are all of our people being baptized tonight now thank you jesus there's 12 men and women that angels are are singing in heaven rejoicing because of it and if we think the party here is great it's even better in heaven Um, but if i could say something for some of us maybe god has spoken something to us tonight we weren't ready to come and speak to anybody tonight here but maybe wherever you go Maybe God's asking you to give your life to Him and say, hey, it's your time to give your life to me and to get baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It could happen. For a lot of us, this is our last, this is your last Kyle of service. <laughs> but this is not the end. This is the beginning of something new. And if these... And if these days at Sam Houston Kai Alpha are the best days of your life, then that would actually be very sad. But there are brighter days and better days ahead, of walking with God, of seeking after Him, of saying, "Lord, I'm going to follow You, no matter whether the community is great or it's not. I'm going to seek after You, and I'm going to find it, community with believers, wherever You go." And that's just that's it. You get to walk with God. And it's going to be wonderful wherever you are and wherever you go. Now, I know it's hot in here, but we love you, and we are so grateful for each and every single one of you. Parents, thank you all for coming. Thank you all for celebrating your sons or daughters with us, and we're just so grateful. Can I pray for us? All right. Father God, we love you, and we are so grateful for everything that you've done here at at Sam Houston. God, we thank you for that prayer tent and the opportunity to pray for Elijah Weiser this whole semester, Father God. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done in our hearts as, as Chi Alpha staff, but then in our small group leaders and our students and the men and women in this room, Father God, that, Lord, you have brought us to a place that we would not have been were it not for Elijah. Lord, we thank you for this building. We thank you, God, for the people that have been baptized this semester and tonight. We thank you, God, for everyone who's given their lives to you, God, and their lives for all from now and for all of eternity is different and is, is destined to be with you. We love you, and we are so grateful for you, God. Would you lead and guide every single one of us all the days of our lives? Would we cry out to you, Father? Would we cling close to you, Lord, and seek you and worship you for all the days of our lives? We love you, and amen. Thank you all for being
0: here. We love you.